episode 108, we go in and presents. Welcome back today, joined by Priest the Nomad, representing DC, Mr. Move Something, man. It's great to have you on the podcast, man. Thank you so much oh. for being here. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. In November, you released Receipts, which is a great project, and you really spent a lot of time pushing it in 2023. Now, I really appreciate the way that you let your music breathe and really let fans get into it, man. So, like, how's Receipts doing for you? Oh, man, it's been great. Um, Yeah, I I actually released, uh, before I released the album, I released uh, uh, a few singles, uh, like three singles before the album even came out. So, like I said, like I'm, I'm a firm believer, man. You know, um, I'm from the from the era of of actually working music, man, and just really making people spend time with music, man, and giving. You know, I still I remember when I was to have um, cassettes and and CDs I bought, man. I would spend weeks with them. You know what I'm saying? And I just want to not necessarily be remembered for so much. You know, one of those artists that release music every month. Or whatever but whenever i release stuff it's very impactful right so i released three singles before the album uh came out in november of last year and then i released uh another few singles this year including the uh the video and single i got with dj cool his remake um to my big bro and then um yeah so we worked out all this year a few singles and videos this year so uh and along with uh, you know, another documentary and things and some other collabs and stuff that I'm doing. But yeah, my thing was to really release. And I kind of did that with another project too, um, the Manhood Project that I had out in 2019. I released it at the end of 2019, but I worked it all throughout 2020, released uh, four singles from there, four videos and everything as well throughout the pandemic and everything as well. So yeah, man, um, you know, my thing is about just quality over quantity. You know, so even if you only know uh, a project or a couple songs from mine, I know that, you know, the music is resonating because I've had people that release tons of material and I'll ask folks to name them their top five songs and they can't do it, even though they got like eight albums, right? Yeah, everything <laughs> just starts work, to sound the same. I'd rather work two albums with eight, nine singles because I always make an album with at least four or five singles, you know what I'm saying, that I can release on different types of times and, and vibe. So I'd rather you just know me for impactful music than, you know what I'm saying, a, 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 a cat that just releases music just to be releasing music every single month. So. No, I appreciate that because it really makes the music stand out and, and like it, it forces the listener to really dive in. I mean, you look at a song like Loose Change where you're really documenting your history and really giving – you know, kind of a, a Priest of Nomad 101 for fans who maybe don't know, but also just recapping and reminding people who do know just, like, your roots in the game. I mean, how important are songs um, like that? Yeah, I mean, um, it's funny, man, because <laughs> uh, the whole Receipts album, like I said, you know, I was working on a documentary, and the whole album came about because of, yeah, 30 years and the DMV and independent hip-hop and doing stuff um, and, and, you know, uh, and all that. And, and it just came about because literally um, our stories were not getting discussed. You know what I'm saying? Especially in this area, man. You know, we are D.C., man, um, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Um, and, then, you know, Go-Go is our music, right? It is heavily, um, everybody knows the D.C. area knows us for Go-Go music and everything. It's our music. We're proud of it and everything. But there's so much more stuff 
than Go-Go here. And then hip-hop kind of gets drowned out uh, because of that, especially like, you know, boom bap style of hip-hop and soulful hip-hop that I do. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, and, you know, a lot of the history that we make connections with, a lot of things aren't really discussed. So I just felt that from a documentarian point of view, because I'm really about documenting. So I just thought it was just a good time to do an audit, you know what I'm saying, in the music as far as, like, culturally. And what, because a lot of people here, even youngins here and stuff, don't really understand the vastness and richness of hip-hop in this area. You know what I'm saying? So, and the generation. So that was kind of my thing, you know, just to, that's why, I, you know, I had to remake with DJ Cool and, you know, I got other, you know, he's on the documentary of a number of other cats, uh, you know, Go-Go and, and, and rapper Go-Go, my man Killer Kyle from Red Askers, a number of people. Uh, we make these connections, man. You know what I'm saying? It's very important to document our history. And um, so, yeah, so the whole album just came about. And, you know, like I said, I'm a soulful dude. I love soul music. So everything I do is real soulful, man. So um, yeah, that's how the album came about. And that's why, you know, the album cover is like all of my stuff and, you know, on the conveyor belt in the grocery store. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's amazing, man. I mean, I think that, you know, you, you have an incredible history in the game and you've really seen the, the DMV scene grow. You've seen it get overshadowed. You've seen it, you know, respond in ways like, um, you know, a, as you're shooting the documentary and I know it's not finished yet, but like so far from what you've seen and who you've talked to and just, you know, your own experiences, like what are some, some of your key takeaways with just DMV hip hop and, and what are you learning through this documentary? Um, well, I mean, I think the, the main thing for me with the doc was to really document the, the, a little bit of, uh, the history and cultural history, uh, through my story, right? Because I, I have a very particular story in this area because I came up on the club scene as a dancer, you know what I'm saying? I used to dance for hip hop and house artists back in the day, uh, in the early nineties, man. So like, and, and then, and then the, you know, the college parties, Howard University. That's how I know my, my man Tracy Lee. And you know, um, in fact, my man Young Guru, um, Rock Nation, Jay Z's engineer. He's on, you know, he's on the dock as well. Um, and uh, you know, and, and, and just you know, we just have generations. My man Tanaasi Coates, the author. There's so many connections, right? So um, it's just important. It's just important to make that you know that connection. And 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 for like I said, dudes. There's so many different scenes, even though we're a small area. We're the nation's capital, man. So there's so much that is particular to us that's unlike any other area. And I think it's important to give people a lens. It's an untold story. When you think about what makes the nation's capital, you know, particular, right? Unlike any other city in the world, right? We don't even belong to a state. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So that has implications politically. You know what I'm saying? You, you commit a crime here in the city slam and you and you is outside of a misdemeanor you go into the fed you go into the federal you're joining your cases in the federal attorney in the office of the attorney general you know what i'm saying that's not a joke that's why there's so much disproportionate amount of you know dc dudes locked up in prison because they will legislate everything here and then try it out in different other cities the chicago's and detroit's the you know la's and stuff but things will get legislated here first so that has a particular um, contribution to our lens here as far as doing music, period, right? Uh, but definitely hip-hop and me being more on the conscious side of hip-hop, 
um, and just making that connection, I think it's something that really people will be outside this area, even in, inside and outside the area, be interested in. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it's, it's very particular. You know, this is where it happens. It's D.C., man. And we, I think even the people that live here are so inundated with politics and politics is in everything that they don't, we don't even realize it. Every move that we make is political. You know what I'm saying? Because we're just legislated upon and we don't even realize it to the extent, you know what I'm saying? So it's very important. That's what artists for artists to get that, get that, get those stories and those, those awarenesses and messages out. You know what I'm saying? So. For sure. No, I, and I don't know if you know, I'm from Charlottesville. So. Uh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. You write down, write down the road. <laughs> yeah. So ways, shout right. out, you know, Nathaniel star, like, yeah, you know, he's dope. yeah. Glad, you know, glad, glad he's oh, on the album. Oh, yeah. That's oh my goodness, man. He is a beast. Shout out, shout out Nathaniel, man. He's on a, he's on two of my projects, man. Your project and receipts album. So big shout out to Nathaniel, man. And shout out to, uh, you, UVA, uh, uh, down there, you know what I'm saying? Uh, cause we, you know, we, we've done stuff down there. Uh, shout out to my man, Asheru. Yeah. I spoke to her. Yeah. He went, he went to UVA and, um, and we did that, you know, when I was swinging with Biz Markey, RIP, we did UVA back in the you know, early 90s and stuff doing, doing parties. And that's why I first battled Biz and got under his wing. So, yeah, UVA is special, you know, a little special place in the heart. You know what I mean? That's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah, so so I went to UVA. And when I was there, Asheru's partner, um, Rob Jackson, who went by okay. Blue Black. Okay, yeah, seven heads. Yep. yep. Yeah, he was working in the in one of the like student affairs or dean's office. And mm-hmm. he, he read my reviews on the Cavalier Daily, the newspaper, and he reached out to me and we we struck up a friendship and he was like a mentor to me for a while. Um, so I, I love Unspoken Heard and just much, much love for that, that soon come album, man. I still listen to that. Oh yeah, that's family, man. Yeah, that's family. And it's been all it's been all in the you know, in in, in the fam because Spinner did a lot of their stuff, you know, and he's he's on my receipts album. <laughs> so shout out to DJ Spinner as well up in New York, you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah, man, it's 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 a lot of history there, you know what I'm saying? Um, especially in the in the, in the indie thing in the '90s, man. You know what Seven Heads was doing, you know, alongside with Rockets and all that, and then what we was doing with the Freestyle Union, Asheru moved in and out of that in DC. We, you know, we did a whole bunch of stuff on, on our scene and this, this arts corridor on uh, U Street Northwest, which is the whole arts scene that we that we represent. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. That's awesome. Can you talk about Freestyle Union? You know, how did how did it come together, and and where is it at now? Yeah, so Freestyle Union um, was an arts um, collective, you know, um, organization founded by the sister named Tony Blackman, um, who went to Howard. Um, Tony was from California, I think L.A., but she um, had went to school in D.C. at Howard University. And, um, you know, she was a head, man. She was a hip hop head and everything. And, um, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on at Howard. Of course, you know, you know, the history of Puff and all of them and and Howard and D-Dot and them. And, and, um, but when Tony was there, man, like she, um, there wasn't a lot of space for women, you know, in, in the game. So she, she, you know, she, uh, founded the organization. It was really just about elevating the art of rhyming. Like she just wanted to have a space where MCs and because it was DC, yo, she jumped on the the DC arts community, man, and 
she started doing these ciphers in Southeast DC at this spot called Eight Rock. And um, a number of MCs, you know, this is where I found, we found our tribe. Because, you know, in, in, in DC, man, it was just, it was like when you did hip hop, man, you was, you know, it was only like a one, maybe you and one or two other dudes, maybe in your whole, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like school or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It was it was not a big thing. So it was like every time we was all in silos. You know what I'm saying? I think the Freestyle Union was the first community thing that brought a lot of crews, you know what I'm saying, out that we really realized how many people were in the city and the area doing hip-hop. And um, and it was basically a a, a freestyle cipher. It was just freestyle. I mean, straight improvisational. You couldn't bring written rhymes. There was no way you could bring written rhymes because she would make uh topics and put words on index cards we would get proverbs it was really elevated man we were doing debates we would, she would take a lot of exercises from an impromptu speech class she had uh, she had a master's in speech communication and we would do them rhyming so we would do like alliteration first word last word you know things just really really building um you couldn't battle in the cipher the whole thing was to battle yourself and to try to get better as the mc it was no bitch hoe rhetoric because you know it was a sister she was running it so it was just really pushed um cast to really elevate you know what i'm saying and this is where i met a lot of my my people's my crew my man kokai uh black indian rest in peace who's an artist on a major label that, that passed away recently um you know and uh you know a number of kids you know cast in fact a couple of those kokai my man sub and black indian they were with um, this jazz artist, Steve Coleman, uh, you know, doing, uh, you know, straight in bass collective, you know what I'm saying? Black Thought was with them too, you know what I'm saying? And doing a whole bunch of freestyle jazz stuff, you know what I'm saying? So like DC has been involved in so much stuff historically, um, you know, on, on the rhyming and it's just been like pockets and pockets. So all of us came together, man, and doing, you know, like it was started off as uh, bi-weekly ciphers then it started off and then, then monthly and then, uh, a little performance core uh, of Castle with performing, you know, uh, came out of that as well. So we were doing, you know, we would do the ciphers and then we would, you know, and then we would have, uh, we all had our own thing going on, but it was just different crews around the area that was just in really the into the culture of rhyming and the elevation of rhyming. And um, we started doing workshops in universities, you know, NYU, we did a number of joints up and down East coast, you know, high schools, all that type of stuff as well, man. So, yeah, it was a really, it was a really elevated thing. Um, I know, I know we had all, you know, all broke up and kind of did our thing. There was some business issues and stuff, you know, how things go. But uh, I think Tony had moved to New York and she was still doing iterations of it. But you know, she would even tell you that it wasn't the same after DC because because of the time and you know, it was groundbreaking at the time. And we were on Rap City. You know, what I'm saying they had a whole freestyle. Uh, BT they had a whole freestyle segment um, that we were a part of, uh, freestyle union. So, yeah, man, it was it was it was it was really special. Um, I don't really think there has been anything. I haven't seen anything um, quite as on the same level of what we were doing, exercise wise. You know, because I mean, like, dude, we were doing debates. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, like you you it would be a hot topic. You wouldn't even get to pick your side. She'd just be like, "You're for it, you're against it." Be two, three people to then those would be the battles. You would debate each other, freestyle. 
You know what I'm saying? And 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 the thing was with the union is that it was just all about elevating. So like, you know, if you're freestyling like, you know, where we lose, you know, freestyling is, is, is used real loosely now. Of course, you know, it's a lot of people it's just for people is just having rhymes that they got or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Which is kinda of how it originally started, but for for a segment of time that we were part of, that really meant improvisation. You know what I'm saying? So um, it was just really exposing yourself and being vulnerable and learning how to turn mistakes into a style. Because if you're you're doing improvisation, you go and mess up. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the whole point. It's the whole point is to explore failing so that you can reach a level of art that you would never have reached if you didn't experiment. You know what I mean? And do certain things. So, um, yeah, man, it, it all made us the artists that we are, man. I mean, you know, freestyling is still a part of my writing process. Even when I'm, you know, when I get beats and I'm composing, I'll just freestyle two or four minutes and experiment with flows and all that type of stuff before I even pick up the pen. So, yeah. That's so cool. I mean, what I love about, you know, just learning more about hip hop history and hearing stories like this is like, you can really see the parallels of what's going on in DC and then if you look, you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've talked or thought about this or, you know, heard about it, like the parallels with the Good Life Cafe, you know, in L.A. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, like freestyle two, fellowship yeah like two totally organic mm-hmm. movements happening kind of. But you don't have the Internet. You don't have Instagram to like right. see that what you're both doing. But it's like it's it's so cool how they're both happening in different places, but around the same time. And the funny thing about that, dude, we were supposed to go out there one time. Oh, wow, that'd <laughs> yeah, be we amazing. To go, yeah, because we, uh, I think Tony, you know, her being from out there, out there had touched base with some of those folks that was running, the, uh, that was involved with The Good Life, and, and, and we knew about Freestyle Fellowship and them, and of course, you know, and all those uh, cats out there on that end and High Road and all them. So we was like, look, it was like, yeah, man. We was like, that's that's right up our alley. Let's Let's go. You know what I'm saying? For, for some reason, it, business-wise, it, it just didn't work out that we could go out there and that type of thing. We had some other things going on. Um, I think some of my peoples went on tour, like, again, with the jazz artists and everything like that. But, like, it was, yeah, it was a very similar thing, man. We had, you know, we used to do a lot of that stuff at, um, on U Street, State of the Union, Casa House. We used to do a lot of those cypher workshops and things like that there. So um, it was a real, it was a real congruency to what was going on there. And then also, you know, Lyricist Lounge was, I did a couple of Lyricist Lounges, um, you know, one here in DC and then one in Atlanta. And then uh, actually one of the earlier ones up in uh, Brooklyn when I was still with Biz. So, um, yeah, man. So it's just, we, we've been on the shadows and, <laughs> and, 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 and connected to this history, man. You know, I think a lot of folks are aware of our involvement with a lot of things, man, uh, culturally. You know what I'm saying? They know maybe certain industry stories, but not really culturally. So, so shout out to Tony Blackman, man, and, uh, you know, Freestyle Union. <clears throat> a lot of generations came from under. I mean, if you think about the, if you think about D, D, DC, DMV, hip hop, uh, the cats that are known on the, on our type of time, the Odysseys, the Kev Browns, um, you know what I'm saying? The cats like that, even Logic and them, like they, Everybody had flowed through the Freestyle Union at some point during that time. You know what I'm saying? So, like, those cats are, those are my little bros. You know what I'm saying? Odyssey, Kev, and all them. You know what I'm saying? Those are my 
my little bros, man. You know what I'm saying? So we, you know, we were doing this in, in, in the nineties. And then that's what, that's what the beautiful thing is about the generation of cats. And we have to make those connections too for the youngest, because, you know, Wale and them even came up on U street uh, later, much, much later. So, and then Fatrell and all those cats from them. So Raheem Devon, you know, like there's, you know, that just hip hop, R&B, soul, all of that, man. So, yeah, there's there's such a line, uh, history and lineage, man, and it's really important to make these connections. That I mean, that that's important, man. You know, in getting that story out there, um, which is what I love, because even on even on um, on the on the um, on the project, you talk about how on receipts, you talk about how DC is more than Wale, and like I understand that's not a shot at Wale. It's more explaining to people that like Wale is dope, but like there's a lot of other dope music and an artist that have really built the foundation and, and are continuing to, and it's not just one artist. Yeah. Because everyone, every someone paved the way for everybody. Right. So I don't care who you are, you know, even cool. Herc had the way paid for him through the sound of Jamaica and right. And the sound systems of Jamaica that he brought to New York. So like, if you think everyone comes from something, Right. So if you love somebody, you got to see who their influences are or they, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, I'm not saying this about Wale or, but I'm just saying, unfortunately, a lot of times when cats get the, get the, in these interviews and get the limelight or get the platforms, they don't mention what influenced them a lot of times or who influenced them or who, you know, or who was doing stuff um, before them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it, it, it takes, you know, people to purposefully, um, you know, I give props like to my man, uh, my, my young bro, uh, Uptown XO, who's actually the precursor to Wale and Fat Trail and them, like, you know, and XO is my little bro, right? So he's on, you know, my project. In fact, we just did a, a new joint together for Team Demo. Um, that's crazy. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but... You know, he he is one cat that, you know, that was ushered in that newer generation uh, and made those connections from our generation to those cats and stuff like that. So it's like I said, just just and it's important for the youngest to see it, because when you know you have a sense of history and, and connection, you have more purpose in what you do when you know you come from something. You know what I'm saying? So it's really not about. You know, it's about the history so that the the youngins that are coming up, especially DC, is real hot right now. I mean, it's, it's, as far as far as crime and 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 youngins is just wilding out, man. You know, it's the it's going back to the days of crack, like like as far as the murders and you know all that. So I mean, I haven't seen it this rough since like the '90s. <laughs> you know what I mean? So DC is crazy right now, and I think it's because a lot of these youngins are so lost. You know, without any sense of connection or history and, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, it's programs and all that type of stuff. But it really is a sense of self and self-worth that that, that history is going to bring about and that connection to history and saying, like, nah, Slim, you come from something. Y'all come from a whole lot. I mean, you know, even hip-hop theater. We were some of the sponsors of hip-hop theater, you know, with, um, you know, uh, I was in a play with Chadwick Bozeman. You know what I'm saying? My homegirl, Camilla Forbes, who runs the Apollo Theater, she's on the dock. You know? So, like, we, you know, we, we, we've been such a part of so much stuff. And so many people have come to this city, this area, and, you know, going to school. You know, going to the colleges. We're heavy 
college area in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. So, as you know, um, and people come here and get their bones. And they go out and do amazing things. Man. But they really got their they stuff off here in, the, in D.C., the D.C. area, man. So it's um it's important for the youngest, the, the kids to see these connections and saying, like, dang, you know, it's so much here. You come from so much so that you know that, look, yeah, you are, you're a part of something great. You know what I'm saying? And having that self-worth that, you know, you might think twice before you pull that trigger. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Man, and, and you know, Chadwick Boseman did a lot for Howard, too, man, just with, with donations and everything he's Absolutely. done. You know, and, like, what was it like actually, you know, acting alongside him? You know, what, what was that experience like for you? Well, you know, Chad wasn't Chad then. You know what I mean? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't Chad with Bozeman. He was Chad, you know what I'm saying? So it's funny because they just, you know, they were both students at Howard at the time, him and Camilla. And they were partners, and so when they made that play, Rob Deferred, um, they sought me out because I was doing my thing real hard back then. This is like 98, 99. So we're doing a lot of stuff, man. We've been, you know, everywhere. I've been, I've been in the Freestyle Union for like, for like three, four years then by that time, and we were doing a whole bunch of stuff. So we were known. So they actually sought me out. I mean, I, I literally was an MC in the play, so that's what that's why they got me because of the freestyle ability, and we were freestyle doing every play, doing every you know show, and everything. So, um, you know, it's funny because I got you know Camille on the dock talking about, oh my god, you know, we were trying to get Priest in the play, and we was like, oh my god, he's not going to do, it. you know. And it's funny to think how, you know, huge Chad had gotten our rest in peace, man, and. And what Camilla's doing now, and the fact that, you know, uh, but that's but that's what it was. It was just every generation was there was some great people, just doing you know. And uh, Chad is and like what you, what you see saw of him as, um, after he you know did Black Panther and did all his movies, saying he kept the same. Chad was just Chad, like he kept the same spirit, the same energy. He didn't he didn't get real Hollywood or nothing like he was real to himself. And all that. He was the same way that he was at Howard. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and being in that industry and being as big as he was to keep his, every time you hear a story about him from other actors and other people, you hear about the same dude who was at Howard. So that's what I respect about his legacy the most is that he did it on his end and kept to his, you know, pick certain roles and turn down certain roles because it didn't advance the culture. You know what I'm saying? He, he did stuff to advance, you know, um, our people, um, even the roles he took, he was very cognizant of what he did. So, you know, it wasn't just for the bag. So right. um, I have a lot playing of into st- Not playing into stereotypes exactly. and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So he was real purposeful in all his moves, man. So, um, you know, and he kept true. He kept true to, you know, his peoples. And like I said, we wasn't real tight, real close. There was people, other friends we had that were real close with him. Camilla, you know, Camilla, my man Jabari, human prophets, they were real tight with him. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I knew him just on the scene and, and of course, working with him in the play um, and, and everything, and you know, and periodically over the years. So, yeah, man. So, yeah, rest of an incredible brother, incredible spirit. 
No, that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that too. And you know, you you mm-hmm. have you had a, a really strong relationship with Biz Markey too, man. You know, rest in peace to Biz too, man. You know, how did you and yes. Biz first meet, and what was that relationship like? Uh yeah, man. It's, uh, R. P. Is my big bro, man. Like I said, him and DJ Cool were both my big bros, man. And um, <clears throat> Biz actually, it's funny. His old manager, Monty used to be in a dance crew that I was in when I was on the club scene called House Nation. And uh, we used to hit the clubs. See, back in the day, cats don't know that hip-hop wasn't played in the clubs in the, in the, in the early 90s. Um, it was all house music and reggae. Like, if you want to college scenes or, or, or in the clubs, that the younger clubs, it was all house music and reggae. So a lot of the... That's why even in New York and stuff like that, a lot of, that's why a lot of the hip-hop dancers used to dance to house music. If you think about it, like Fendi and all those castings dance for artists, you know, so I should dance for hip hop artists and house artists as well. So we had a dance crew um, in D.C. <clears throat> and uh, we used to be in the clubs and stuff. And then a couple of, you know, we knew all the promoters. And then my man, you know, some of my peoples, you know, that was there started promoting and throwing parties. And my man Monty um, and was one of the cast who started throwing parties and stuff. And then, those, so they basically started booking biz and biz started DJing. You know, like around in 92, he started DJing and he started getting booked for parties. And so promoters down here brought him down to the clubs here, the Ritz, you know, the Ritz, Killer and John were different spots down here. And then um, started doing parties. You know, we did UVA. I think UVA was the the, the time that we really got together and connected. Um, we did UVA's homecoming, did your homecoming. I think it was 93. Um where uh, we did that in Howard. So that's, we did the sound. I think Monty had, you know, had the speakers, did the sound, I think in, in the ballroom over there, they had Biz DJing. And I was, you know, and I was doing the, I always checked the mics, helped him set up, and I would check the mics. And so, you know, Biz, I was checking the mic and I was beatboxing. <laughs> and Biz walked in while I was beatboxing, you know, but when I finished beatboxing, I was like, yo, who's that beatboxing? You know, and, Everybody's like, oh, that's Priest, that's Priest. You know, you know, he can rhyme too. And he's like, ah, he started crying. Oh, he can't rhyme. He can't rhyme. And, you know, being from DC, so then we was like, you know, we don't, we don't back down from nothing. So we, I'm like, man, what you talking about? I can't rhyme. <laughs> we went by for more. I was like, so I can rhyme. What's up? I was like, what's up? And he was like, really? He was like, what? So, yo, my man DJ Trinity was with us. So he made Trinity get on the tables and then he grabbed the mic and we went, we went back and forth. Like freestyle, I was rhyming. He was doing this thing, and you know, it, it was like a big crowd came, and he was like, "Oh, you know." So it was like, "All right," you know, it was like, "Oh, you know," people was crazy, like, "Oh, wow, police and biz is rhyming." And then, you know, I thought that was it. And then that night, it was a party of like three thousand people in the ballroom <laughs> on campus, and um, and uh, and he, yo, he stopped the music in the middle of the party, in the height of the party, and was like, "Priest to the stage." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he called me out on, at the party. It was like, yo, he threw me the mic. It was like, yeah, let's, let, let, what you gonna do now? And you know, so I think he, you know, he, he I think he really wanted to see, you know, because it, it was so dope in the sound. I think he really wanted to see. All right, if I throw this kid in front of a crowd, I'm, I'm like 19. You know what I'm saying? If I throw this in front of a crowd, let's see what he really gonna be a, be about, right? So. Yeah, you know, and so I'm like, you know, we got busy. <laughs> I did my thing, you know, I started freestyling and, you know, casting the crowd. Of course, I was horrified. I was scared as hell, you know what I'm saying? But 
it was like, you know, we're just like, hey, look, man, we here. So, you know, I ain't going to go out. So, you know, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to do my thing. So, you know, we wind up going back and forth. We wasn't battling, we wasn't battling, battling, but it was just going back and forth. And, of course, Biz, like, tore it down because he's an entertainer. You know what I'm saying? But um, I did my thing with it. There was a lot of, you know, I was freestyling, picking people out in the crowd. And so a lot of people was hype about that. And then afterwards, he was just like, man, after the party, he was just like calling me over. like, yo, you got skills. He was like, yo, you need to, I need to teach you some things. And, da, 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 da. and because Monty was, he was, Monty was kind of unofficially managing me at the time. And he started managing Biz, so he was managing both of us. You know what I'm saying? But then, of course, Biz took all of his attention. I was a kid. I was kind of running around. You know what I mean? So I, I rolled with him for a few, for about a, a number, about a good year, you know, just doing parties and rhyming, doing stuff and everything. But, um, you know, I would kind of just kind of, did my other did some other things and they were you know doing their thing so we kind of separated but one I when I wound up becoming an engineer later in the early 2000s and I kept my I kept in touch you know pretty much in touch with Biz I would see him periodically see him and Monty I would go out with them periodically and then um, later on when I became an engineer we reconnected and I started doing engineer work for him so I started doing some of his recordings when he was on the um, Kid show, Yo Gabba Gabba. Um, I was doing some of his voiceover recordings um, at a studio that I worked at in Maryland, Omega Studios in Rockville, Maryland. So yeah, I was an uh, engineer up there, so I was doing some of that work in. And then um, I did his um, some of his stuff on. I was like, he was on Bumpy Knuckles album. I did that his Pop Duke album. I did his. I recorded his verse on there, and so you know. So he would like we would just link up and you know he did he he gave me love on my manhood project album. Um I have a little shout out segment and he, you know, he, you know, uh gave me some love on the album and everything. So we always kept um I think we kinda rekindled our relationship more, you know, um and uh and I met his wife Tara, you know, right before he got sick and everything and then I kept in touch with her all the time that he was sick, um, until he passed away in uh twenty twenty one. So Man, what, yeah, a, man. What, what a tragic, you know, I, you know, just hearing that news, man, just like that's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it devastated so much of so many of us, man, that were. And the funny thing, the crazy or the crazy thing was Monty had passed away a few years before, probably like about uh, I think Monty passed away in like 2018 or something like that. The so Monty passed away from cancer uh, a couple of years before and Biz had called me when Monty had passed, the big time that Monty had passed. And I, when I was at the club, and you know what I'm saying? I was out and I talked to Biz when Monty passed. And then when he went down, it was just like, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was rough, man. So, uh, but it was beautiful, man. Like I went to his funeral, Tara Abbey, his wife, Tara <clears throat> Abbey goes to his funeral up in Long Island um, at the theater and everything. So, um, you know, it was, it was beautiful. And then of course, um, uh, she, she invited me to be on the documentary, his doc. So I'm on his documentary. Um, they only used a couple of little uh, footage at the end. I'm on the, at the end outside holding up the, um, the um, Fade King's uh, uh, portrait of him, little uh, graffiti joint of him. So, mm-hmm. man, that's yeah. But he was, uh, he was, he was, he was, he was. Biz uh, was was some something, man. It was just an incredible, incredible personality. He was a he was a, you know, he was a good, good person, man. You know, a lot of love. He was just wild, man. <laughs> he was wild, you know. So, 
But yeah, much love. Man, what kind of lessons do you carry from Biz today, man, as you move like, you know, in in the in the game today? Um, just entertaining. Entertaining. I think the one thing I say that Biz taught me more than anything was how to entertain. The difference between being a, a lyricist, you know what I'm saying, and, and the MC is making entertainment part of your MC. Because um, that's what Biz's whole thing was. Like Biz, you know, you know, you don't think of Biz as one of the top lyricists or nasty. He was just, you know, he knew how to make songs. You know what I'm saying? He was a good songwriter. He knew how to make songs. He had ideas. And also, just to be steadfast in your ideas. Um, you know, because you see the documentary and everything, like, he got so much flack when he made Just a Friend. Like, everybody told him, like, that's crazy. You can't do it. Like, that's the, the dude you said, you know. He tried, you know, he tried to get people to sing, try to get Albie Shore, try to get so many people to sing that song. This is what I said. What God got for you, <laughs> he, that's that's for you and nobody else. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you have to believe in what you're doing and, you know, and, and, and go after what you're doing and not not get into comparing your movement with somebody else's movement. You know what I'm saying? Because what you got for you is not for anybody else but you. You know what that's I'm saying? Huge. That's why I, I, can, I can give everybody else that's doing stuff, and whether in our area or outside and all the cats that are really, really doing anything, I give them so much love. Because that ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't lessen what I do to because you're doing your thing. There's space out here. Every Look, there's audiences for everyone. And, you know, and some of the people that like your stuff will like my stuff, too. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we just think, you know, I think we have to really start, you know, uh, really, especially now, all the stuff that's going on with the war, Israel, Palestine, all this stuff. But it's been a long time coming. Like we we we've lost the sense of humanity, man. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's just really about um, giving love whenever you can give love because that's just good energy. It's just good business to give love to real. You know, I don't have to worry. Like we, I move at my own time. I don't feel like I'm not racing against nobody. It's like I just do what I do. <laughs> you feel it? Great, man. I hope I hope that you do. If you don't, hey, it's all good. Somebody does, you know what I mean? And I'm just going to keep, I just care about the culture. I care about the craft and I'm going to just keep doing that. You know, so I just think being standing on your own square and, and, and believing in your own ideas is one of the biggest things I got from this too. So I, I love that you're working with Tracy Lee, you know, what, what's it like working with Tracy and what was that collaboration and, and just that whole process like on me right here? Oh, Tracy is, oh, Tracy is my dude, man. Um, yeah, like yeah, we we came up together, man. Um, when he was at, well, actually he's a little older. He's about a, about a few years older than me, but um, I came up with a lot of his crew, um, a lot of his R and F dudes. You know what I'm saying? One step beyond, my man Mitty and them, and Guru, his young young Guru as well. Young Guru is part of his crew. So um, and uh, so I knew them. I knew them at you know on, at Howard when they was at Howard. Um, university doing their thing because they was on the club scene and stuff. And then when when I started rhyming in the clubs, they used to be outside the clubs. We used to always be ciphering outside the clubs and stuff. So like him, a couple other dudes on the scene out in the clubs and everything. So and so I and then I used to go into the you know to the Howard campus 
when I was with the Freestyle Union, we used to go there and, you know, rhyme and battle dudes up there and, you know, some of his some of his cats. So we all all knew each other, you know what I'm saying, coming up in the early and mid nineties. So, um and then uh and then so, you know, he got you know, he got his deal of course and did his thing and that and moved to Atlanta, but we linked back up. Um I was down in Atlanta for a little bit when he was down there, so you know, we linked up down there a little bit, and then when he came back here in the area, uh, we we linked up, and I started doing engineer work for him too. So um, he, you know, messed with young Guru a lot of times when he, but when he couldn't, Guru couldn't do his stuff, then you know, I would do a lot of his stuff, some of his stuff and everything. And then uh, you know, we had some mutual respect for each other, man, and we just became, you know, you know, real real cool um, and friends, basically. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, you know, uh, and Trey, man, Trey is one of the unsung cats, man. Like, doesn't really get his, um, you know, his 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 props and, and, and love, man, and respect. I think he like, you know, like he should or whatever. But um, but yeah, man. So you know, we we this is not the first time we linked up was on the receipt time. We actually linked up on another joint. I had a project that I didn't never got released, but I got to join on. Uh, we had a joint called Long Way Home. It's on YouTube together. Um. So that was back in like '08, something like that. So, um, so yeah, he's just family, man. You know what I'm saying? So um, when I told him I was doing the project, you know, he was like, "Yo, definitely." And we got up, and uh, we've done a couple uh, shows together. We do this series of you know like grown hip hop stuff, um, and you know we do it together, kind of like co-headliners. Well, sometimes I headline, sometimes he headlines. So yeah, Trey is fan, man. That's really cool. And, you know, you have great collaborations on receipts, too. You look at, like, DJ Spinner, DJ Cool. Like, what's your approach when you're working with someone like a, a Spinner or a Cool? And, and how, how do you really approach those types of collaborations with DJs and producers? Yeah, I mean, everybody that I work with, man, is all relationships. These are all people that, you know, I've known or, you know, have known. Um, I think, you know, uh, like Cool, Cool knew me from, you know, I knew, I used to go – Sneaking to the clubs out of high school, see cool when he was DJing. You know what I'm saying? And he DJed a lot of the clubs in the area. You know what I'm saying? So the East Side was one of his big spots. Um, but you know, and uh, and all that. So cool was like one of the major DJs in the area, um, in that in that go-go and hip-hop world. So, uh, but then we didn't meet until I was doing stuff on U Street, because he's a fan of a lot of U Street artists. So he, you know, so that's how we we met back in the '90s and. He always kind of followed the movement, and uh, you know we always stayed touch. He would always, you know, uh, blood and he, you know, he gave same thing like this. He gave me love on my Manhood Project album. He came to the release. That's when we really started really really talking, and you know, talking on a regular kind of linking up. And then, um, and then you know, when I came around this time to do the doing the receipts album, team demo, my people's team demo, which is my family too. VA, they hit me with the um, hit me with that track, and I was like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, yo, this would be a dope remake for Cool. So that was significant because that was Cool's first record, really first single um, on a label, and then the first time you know was he was ever rocked um, hip hop over a go-go break. You know that was kind of that never been done before. You know what I'm saying? So not for no artist here really linking up. So so to remake that joint on some boom bap type of time was really, really dope. You know what I'm saying? Cool got a lot of respect for me. Of course, I got a lot of respect for him. I've done work with him as an engineer as well. 
You know what I'm saying? So that's our relationship. Now, Spinner, Spinner, man, um, I met him, bro, even though he, he's done stuff with, you know, I spoke to her to him. I didn't really know him then. But Spinner, you know, I met him. He was coming down doing the um, wonderful parties. He does these parties, Stevie Wonder mixed mashups and stuff like that. Um, and uh, sometimes Stevie comes through and what rocks at the parties. So I met him back in like eh, maybe 2010, 11, but I didn't really know him. But you know, he started hearing my stuff on online, and um, he got on. And I had his DJ email, and I was, you know, he just put him on my email list of DJs. He was getting the projects. I didn't even really know he was checking them out until a blogger on Twitter thanked him for turning him on, turning him on to me. And and I was like, what? That's <laughs> like, really yo, cool. thank you at DJ Spinner. Yeah. And so I, you know, I wound up hitting the blog. He said, yeah, man. And so I wound up hitting Spinner. I was like, yo, yeah, yo, appreciate the good looking, man. You know, he's like, nah, man, I'm a fan. And he was like, such, 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 such. He was like, yo, you know, DM. He was like, yo, let's work. And I was like, I hate my first time we talked because he comes down, he was coming down to D.C. a lot. So the first time we talked, we talked about a good hour and a half, man, just vibing out. And we just really had a good vibe. And um, so, you know, um, we, we linked up on some stuff and, and we're just talking. And he was playing some of my stuff on his shows on Apple. Um, and, uh, you know, another joint. So he was playing some of my music, and um, and then you know, and then uh, I wound up booking him to come headline and do my. I did a in 2022. I did a uh, a 50 30 party. I turned 50 and uh, celebrated 30 years in you know DC hip hop, DMV hip hop, and he came and headlined it. You know what I'm saying? I booked him, brought him down here, and he was just blown because he didn't really know the hip hop scene like that here. So he was really really blown he knew a couple cats but he didn't really know like there was a whole scene and then i was like an elder of that scene so he was really blown and then he wound up we wind up doing the song live at the party wind up being a joint that he had just chopped up a you know the Rita franklin did a beat and posted it and i flipped off the joint then i said oh, well we need a record i do dj records and intro records and stuff so i just you know I was like, yo, we was looking for a record. I said, I need a joint to bring you on to. And he was like, yo, what about that Aretha joint? You want to use that? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, so, yeah, I wound up using that joint. It went so crazy that I threw it, at the, I threw it on the album. I wound up, you know, just taking off the, the stuff about that particular event and just, you know, call I say live at the party, so I just called it live at the party. So that record was literally just me making a record to do it at my party. Wow, that that's amazing, man! And you know, when you, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a crazy story how that came about. Yeah, yeah, man, and you know, and he had so much love, you know, for me. And when I did the record, and it's so funny because it's so funny because Spinner, like he knew, you know, he thought I was an engineer, and I was like, yeah, I'm an engineer. So he sent me the joint, and I wound up chopping some of the his beat some of the beat up in Pro Tools, right? And and I told him that and he was like, oh man. Then, you know, he's like, no, man, I don't let people mess with my stuff. And he's like, man, let me hear that. I said, yo, relax, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm going to record to it. Because I chopped it up to go with the rhyme. You know what I'm saying? So I chopped it up, did some edits and stuff on the snares. So when I say chop them, I might chop you up like snares and Pro Tools. Like I chopped the snare up. 
And um, and I sent it to him, and you know, he nigga called me, and he went crazy. He was like, bro, this joint is crazy. He was just like, yo, I didn't know. I was like, yeah, I'm an engineer, man. You know what I'm saying? I know, you know, I know I got the sensibilities or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I always laugh about that story because he's like, man, you're the first person I ever let chop my stuff up. <laughs> man, that's amazing. Yeah, wow. man. So, yeah, man, you know, uh, we're supposed to do – a project, but you know, Spinner is just crazy in the house uh, feel me. He's just traveling the world, man. I said, look, man, when you when you slow down and you're ready to make a project, you let me know, you know, because uh, I mean, I rhyme to all types of stuff, like broken beat stuff and you know, jazz. So it's like, you know, because I have those type of sensibilities, or you know, you're like, yeah, let's do a project because we can go some places, you know what I'm saying? But I said, look, you know, you just let me know when you're ready, man. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, so how do you balance? You know, you have to be adaptable coming from DC. Like, how do you balance those, you know, go go influences and go go sensibilities with like the boom bap that you also make? Like, how how do all the different genres and influences and styles that are in DC um, really kind of come together? You know, in your music. Well, see, DC man, DC and the DMV, we're we're a live music area. That's always been the case. We live music. So we have some of the most pulled from musicians in the music industry. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're talking about from, you know, Prince and then Gloria Estefan, a whole bunch of peoples, man, you know. Plus we got R and B and soul like Marvin and, you know, uh, you know, Tank and, and, and Tony Terry, a whole bunch of people, Raheem, like, you know, whole bunch of people that we have we have a history of just live music. Even before Go-Go was funk bands, because Go-Go came out of funk. It was just like hip-hop taking a break of funk bands, finding that pocket, and with that percussion breakdown, they just extended it, just like, you know, Herg and Flash and them did on records, right? They just did it live, and that's how Go-Go came about. So we always, like, when you come out rocking, you if you're doing stuff, I don't care what scene you on, or, you know, uh, if you're doing... If you rocking on the scene, you gonna play with live. You gonna rock with live bands. It's gonna happen. Whether it's a jazz band, whether it's you know, cats don't have, but you gonna rock with a band because it's always bands and open mics and stuff like that. So you gonna cut your teeth rocking with a band. So we know how to rock with bands and we know how to do live music. So it's nothing for us. And I know tons of musicians. So I can. We're spoiled. We're so spoiled, man. So I'll get beats. But because I'm an engineer and a producer, I can take beats and say, okay, this is a nice template. We're going to put a live bass on this. We're going to put a horn section, bring some strings. We're going to do this and do that. And I can just pull a number of musicians. So I got a lot of live cats playing over beats, you know, playing, adding keys and stuff live. I mean, that's what, you know, um, uh, Where's My Change is. It's like it was a beat. My man John Lane, who's at Odyssey's band, he's a drummer for Odyssey. Um, he did that track, but it was just a, a basic piano. And I actually have my man, Kev Bright, who plays keys on a number of my projects, um, came through and we just built built it through keys and pads and, you know what I'm saying, through the course of me rhyming. Wow. So, yeah, so it's like I can see, you know, I, because I came up to live music, like in jazz, and I rock with a lot of jazz bands. I rock with, you know what I mean? I'm talking, I'm on bebop records, you know what I'm saying? Just going, 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 you know, going in. 
Um, I did live jazz and hip-hop recording albums live. You know what I'm saying? So because of those sensibilities, when I when I get, you know, beats and music, I can hear, just hear the, I'm just very, we're just very musical. You know what I mean? So I can I can hear things. I record a lot of R&B vocals. So I can, I write R&B vocals. All of vo- like the singers and stuff that I have on my projects, I write all those parts. Wow. Uh, with the exception, with, with the exception of uh, my sis Sai Smith, um, but other her, but like a lot of stuff that I've done, I you know I collab. You know, it's more of a collab. I usually write the initial, and of course they add their thing, their flares, their ad libs and stuff. But um, yeah, man. So we just have those sensibilities. So it's natural. It's natural going to be a part of the music. I love anything that's percussive because of Go Go. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, it's the drum, man. It's African. You know what I mean? So like, that's just you know that's just our thing. So if you're doing hip hop at some point and you represent the area, you're gonna have some type of percussive, like you know, percussion and stuff in it at some point. You know what I'm saying? There's a number of my joints that are that are rock like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, that's that's the sensibility. So. No doubt, man. And Mr. Move Something came out in 2005, one of my favorite Priest the Nomad projects. You know, how do you look back on that oh, today? That. Almost like almost 20 years at this point, you know, which is hard to believe because yeah. I remember it coming yeah. out. Like, how do you look back on that today? Oh, man, um, it's a classic. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, that's uh, that was like the first record I engineered <laughs> myself. You know what I mean? And uh, the first album I engineered myself, um, and that time was just a, it was a crazy time. I was going through divorce, so there was a whole bunch of that type of you know release <laughs> on it. And uh, just the community came together, man. And uh, of course, you know, I got Asher on that album. My man Kokai, uh, Raheem, Raheem, and um, my man West Felton. They have a group called Crossroads. Uh, so the, you know they were on that album on you know. Uh, Raheem's on a one with Crossroads and one with him and Cy Young and I mean you know just like uh, it was just a really really dope time um, you know low budget I think they just started really doing their thing with Odyssey and Kevin them so it was just a real good time um, so it was just a really a lot of good energy and I just really look at that and um, uh, the when it, when you know when I made that album. There was nothing like that coming out of the area, definitely. So we really kind of, you know, did a whole lot. And this was um, doing almost like, you know, right after that was like the transition of the industry. Because this is like, you know, when Napster and LimeWire <laughs> first yes. started hitting. Right. You know, since so, so it was a crazy transition in time with everything, man. So, um, you know, that, that you know, that, that kind of hurt on some ends but it just but it helped on some ends because the album got out to a lot of people you know what i'm saying so and that was my flagship project before all the way up until the manhood project in uh 2019 uh you know i think that's you know probably kind of took over for a lot of people normally but you know but mr move something is definitely a classic so yeah it's hard to believe it's been almost 20 years crazy i know i couldn't believe it either (laughs) Like, 2005, yeah. And I first heard you through Storm the Unpredictable and probably back in, like, mm-hmm. I would guess, like, 03 maybe? Like, the spring of uh-huh. 03 is probably when I first uh-huh. discovered Storm and you and, and and thought it was super dope. Like, 
What, what's your relationship like with Storm today, and, and what kind of role did he play in your career, and, and, and especially like the poemcs too? Uh, Storm is Storm is uh, he's one of my best friends, man. Like I talked to Storm. Uh, in fact, we just we we have a group text thread. Me, him, my man Kokab, my people's poems, sees like we all friends, like real good friends, man. So you know we all came up on a U Street scene together. So we we're we're you know all family now. We got you know kids and husbands and fathers and stuff. So we just kept really tight relationships, man. And um. But yeah, Storm is Storm is my dude, man. Um, you know, uh he's doing this thing. He stepped out of the music thing, but um but yeah, he's a he's you know, he's a science science dude, man. He's the dean of the science department of Montgomery College, yo. So he's uh you know, he's he's you know, traveling the world, speaking at conferences and doing this thing, man. But yeah, he's always a supporter. You know, I got I had him um as a just a kind of a surprise uh on my last project, Out the House. Um, you know, I had brought him back out for a joint that we had on there. Um, so, you know, but, uh, yeah, but he's, Storm was a pioneer in, in a lot of ways, especially with the, um, internet and use of the internet and college radio. I mean, he's really, he's the really one person that really forged the, uh, forged the big path and use of the internet when it really wasn't a thing to do. You know what I'm saying? He was doing, I mean, he's the reason why we were, you know, we, did 88 hip hop with evil D and them. Um, you know, when that first came out and that whole internet radio show thing, it was like, you know, that was, that was all him. So that was, uh, that was a blessing, man. You know, and he's, um, he definitely has a, um, a place in the, in the history of, uh, DMV hip hop, man. Uh, and he's on a documentary too, by the way. <laughs> that's awesome. That, you that, know? I'm glad yeah. to hear that. And I'm glad to hear he's doing well yeah. too. That, that's really good news. Oh, yeah, he's doing great, man. He's doing great. So I'd love to hear just the creative process. You know, how does a Priest the Nomad verse or song really come together? Uh, uh, my writing process, as far as making songs, is I always get the music first. Because um, I'm a music lover, and everything is always about the music. When I write, especially now, because I consider myself a songwriter now, not just a, a MC. So I really put the song first, you know what I mean? So when I get the music, get a beat or whatever, and I get an idea, oh, sorry about that. When I get an idea, if I get something, I know something that's hot because I'll get an idea right away. I'll think up a hook, a concept or whatever, and I start writing to it like that. And then once I start really writing to the, you know, I go on vibe, you know, how does this beat make me feel? You know what I'm saying? And based on how it makes me feel, what it's about, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see this being a story joint, or I can see this being about blah, 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 political or whatever. That, and that's like, you know, am I, am I, if I'm making a concept album or something, I'll say, okay, does that fit? Sometimes I'm just making songs, you know what I mean? But if I'm really focused on the project, I may like, okay, do I want to put a song like that on the album? There's things that I had when I was making receipts. Um, in fact, I'm sorry, this things that I had when I was making, like, the Manhood Project, that I beats I had, in fact, the beat that I had on the Receipts album with Deborah Bond, a uh, credible vocalist, Music Saved My Life. I had that beat when I was doing the Manhood Project. Uh, my man Unknown, who's also Odyssey's band, gave me a bunch of beats. And I had that beat, and I was like, oh, you know, I was going to use it, but it's like it just didn't fit. 
none of the other projects until the receipts out. So, you know, I knew what I wanted to do with it, but I was like, okay, well, it's not a priority because I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. You know what I'm saying? So I know I can tell a vibe of something where I want that vibe. I'm like, ah, this is not the project for that for that vibe. You know what I'm saying? Or I got something that already is dealing with that vibe, and I don't want to have more than a few things. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of I kind of use that as my approach. I'm a big I'm a big picture person. Like you know, I see vision, I see big picture, and and then I work backwards with the details. So I'm like, if I don't see how something fits ultimately, then it's like, okay, let's put that to the side or whatever. You know what I mean? And I'll yeah. come back to it. But so um, so yeah, you know what I mean. That's kind of how I roll, and then I'll like I said, I'll think of a hook or something, whatever. And then I'll if I need if I know I need to get a singer on it, I'll go ahead and demo it. I mean, I can sing decently enough <laughs> to get an idea across. Um, you know, and so a lot of times on some of the songs, I do backgrounds. Um, I do a lot of background vocals and stuff on my on my joints, like um, uh, joining out the house. I got on out the house with Cy Smith or Fine Whiskey. I do a lot of backgrounds on that and, you know, some other things. So uh, same thing with Steve Jobs uh, on the Receipts album and stuff. So um, Jenna Camille is singing, but I'm doing some backgrounds and stuff. So, you know, I can kind of know my voice and know what I can do or whatever. So I'll do stuff like that, but I'll demo it, just record a scratch and then give it to the singer and then, like, you know, learn it or whatever. And they can even do it. They got to set up and they'll send it back to me. Or I could just have them come over to the crib if they don't got where to record or whatever. Or if they feel like they need me to produce them. You know what I'm saying? I'll have them come to the crib or whatever. Like, cool. Like, with, with DJ Cool, I had them come to the crib. He didn't know really what I wanted to do. I was like, all right, just, just come to the crib. We're going to work it out. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. That's that. That's that, amazing. I appreciate that, man. And. You know, it's also really cool how you're you're venturing, you know, in the hip hop ed world and doing really important work there, man. Like, how would you describe the work that you're doing um, in hip hop education? Um, yo, yo, you know, that's kind of funny because I've had different ventures into academia, hip hop education. First, like during the era of the Freestyle Union, um, that's we were doing like a lot of improvisational rhyme workshops and stuff. And um, and because of that, and uh, so we had opportunities and stuff on all levels from like, you know, junior high to university level. And then um, more recently now, it's more so of a his history thing. So now that, you know, you know, of course, it's the, the 50th celebration, um, now that different aspects of stories surrounding hip hop and particularly DMV hip hop is becoming um, a very interesting sort after chronicling, so to speak. You know what I mean? So, uh, and, and our contributions to hip hop, because you know DMV, one of the things that we teach and that we talk about um, in a couple of the programs that we've I've been involved with is that as uh, DMV's contributions to hip hop, because especially from the early days, because a lot of the breakbeats that were used. Uh, the really classic breaks that were found were from DC bands. You know what I'm saying? Bands like Soul Searchers, Ashley Roche Clips. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, there's so many, a number of bands. And then, of course, there was a lot of collabs with, you know, Go Go Hip Hop back in the 80s. Mm. 
Curtis Blow and EU and Trouble Funk and all that type of stuff. So we, we deal with a lot with that. So it's the history thing. And then it's also where we came up in, you know, in the nineties with DMV hip hop and stuff, um, establishing, you know, resurgence of U street and all that. So that's, and again, that's, that's a part of DC cultural history. So now it's making it in the academia space, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think based on that is what's, you know, um, and like I mentioned before that I'm a, I was the subject of a book back in 05, but it came out right when the Mr. Moose something album came out. Um, it was a dissertation from my friend of mine who was an ethnomusicologist. His name is Dr. William Smith, uh, Will Smith, <laughs> the other Will Smith. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's Dr. William E. Smith. Uh, he was a jazz uh, saxophonist. And in fact, he plays on receipts on my way home. Um, that's him playing sax on 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 that on that record, um, and we've done a lot of work together, collabs and stuff. I've been on his stuff. He's been on my stuff. We used to do a lot of show. He would come in my shows and play, and I would rock with his band and all that. So, but he did this dissertation on um, the links to imp- for improvisational jazz, jazz improvisation and hip hop and improvisation, and linked to African griots. And that whole diaspora of, you know, different fables and uh, story, you know, tales of, you know, Isui Legba and all that type of stuff. And, and just showing the relationships and all that. And he used me as a subject matter, being with the Freestyle Union. He followed me for five years, uh, you know, and, uh, and in the union and outside of the union. And then um, I helped him defend his dissertation at Maryland University. He got his doctorate. I actually freestyled on the board members. Whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And then um uh, and then he made it a book. Uh it's called Hip Hop as Performance Ritual Performance and Ritual. So that's one of the actual textbooks, uh, out of a number of textbooks, but that's one of them at Bowie State University, uh, for their hip hop program. And Sha Rock is on that program. Uh she's one of the uh adjunct instructors, so I've you know, I've done the class with her. Um, the professor uh, Tobodris, uh, Malokasa, and then uh, Shot Rock, they do it together. And I, me and Will were guest speakers, you know, guests, because they're using the book. So, yeah, it was real cool linking up with Shot Rock, the legendary, you know what I'm saying, doing that class for her. So, um, yeah, so I, I've really realized that, you know, in doing programs at George Washington University, my man DJ RBI, um, and, uh, you know, nonchalant, a couple other people. So, um, you know, that's where we are, man. We're in a space where the history of DMV hip hop is a thing. Um, and there's so much connection uh, to so many prominent people. Um, like I said, from authors, poets, to playwrights, to, you know, let's say hip hop theater, to actors, to so much stuff that we're involved in. And it come, it came through our scene. So, um, yeah, and it's all aspects of the culture. So we have everybody that's involved. We have B-boys, you know, we have graph artists, you know what I'm saying? We have DJs, we have MCs and stuff like that. So I had all, we had all of that in our scene, in our culture. So, um, yeah, and it was all DC. So that's kind of like, you know, what the attraction, I think, in the academia space is. And the documentary, I think, is going to even further that even more um, to actually come and speak 
that's one of the things I'm interested in is to, is to you know, to speak and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and lecture at uh, universities. That's awesome. No, I, I, I'm excited to see how that work, like, continues to develop. And, you know, um, the, another question I have for you is just thinking about the, the D.C. DMV scene today. Like, who are artists that we should be checking for um, and paying attention to? Oh, man. <laughs> there's so many. I mean, there's so many generations. I mean, you've got... Um, you know, you got uh, the youngins like Trackstar Kelly, Rock Kelly, um, who's doing his thing. Um, there are a lot of young youngins, man. I can't remember a whole lot of them, but um, there's some that kind of transition from trapping and doing boom bap stuff now. So there's a lot of little youngins that are doing their things. And there's, you know, there's the older cats like Gerard Street Garvey and... Uh, of course, Uptown XO, um, you know, him and uh, Man Sniper B got a group called Bumpy X. Um, there's still, you know, the low budget cast. There's still, you know, Odyssey. He's up in New York now, but he's still doing a lot of stuff. You know, Jay Sinai. Jay Sinai is killing it. That's my bro. Um, you know, uh, Meridian, um, those cats who are part of the Infinite Loop crew. Um, they're killing it. Uh, they're actually over in Uganda right now. The words beats of life, um, a nonprofit that we got. Um, you know, and uh, of course, you know, doing my thing. And then, um, there's a lot, man. <laughs> you know, my man Substantial is is crazy with it. You know, what I'm saying T. Lucas is a it's a lot of cats, man. And it's generational. Like I said, I know cats from every generation, but those are a few. Um, but um, uh, Dior Ashley Brown, a couple, a number of ladies, man, you know what I'm saying? Of course, you already know about Moo Moo Fresh. Uh, she's more Baltimore. That's huge, man. You know, as we look forward, man, too, to the new year, man, like, what are your goals? Like, what do you hope to put out and really continue working on in, in 2024? Yeah, 2024 is all about the release of the documentary for me. So the documentary was is called I Was the Weirdo. Uh, you know, hip-hop in Go-Go City. So I Was the Weirdo. Uh, because it really speaks to the climate of how hip hop was viewed. And there's a lot of things that uh, contribute to that, you know, that climate of what it was in like the early nineties with hip hop in DC, um, especially, you know, on the streets, on the, in the drug game with New York and DC, uh, there was a lot of things happening. So um, I was, I was in the, you know, I was, my movement when I first started was like in the midst of a lot of that unbeknownst to me because I wasn't a street dude. You know what I mean? So, um, so a lot of the, a lot of the flack that we got, you know, we was because of go-go, like the hip hop thing. Oh, you was the weirdo. You was doing a New York thing. <laughs> so, um, the documentary is, is the main thing that I have for 2024. I'm hoping we hoping to be done with the editing in the spring. Um, the trailer is pretty much done. We have a trailer that we're, um, that we're, you know, getting the distribution set up and all that stuff. But, um, you know, we're just getting everything laid out. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, Young Google was one of the last interviews. I got him uh, recently. So we're just getting him uh, his stuff in, in, in it as well. So, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, we're making a lot of connections with that. So, yeah, the documentary is the main thing. And, of course, I'm doing uh, new music. Um, I don't necessarily have a project plan, but I got a lot of singles and collabs and stuff that's happening. And we'll see what, it, what you know 
what uh what comes about as a project or whatever. So, but yeah, man, we we just always creating and we always moving. So yeah, definitely things coming in twenty twenty four. Man, that's amazing, man. You know, I can't wait to talk to you again. Hopefully, man, with this uh, with the, when the documentary drops, I'd love to get you back on the podcast and really break down the absolutely and, and 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 your work there because that's really important work that needs to be out there. And I I can't wait to watch it just as a fan. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think you I think you will really enjoy it, man. We're making a lot of connections. We got a lot of a lot of cats from different arenas that you wonder like, dang, how are all these cats connected? You know what I'm saying? Like you know, so it's 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 what it's really what makes it's really just a, a, a testimonial to the uniqueness of DC of how all of this stuff and it's not it's not known because so many people know just for Go Go as far as musical stuff. Um, so it's uh, it'll be really interesting. So I think you'll enjoy it, man. So yeah, can't wait for you to see it.